0: hey everybody welcome back to black on the air this is Larry Wilmore and I am black on the air thank you for joining me uh in my little podcast here we're really having a lot of fun you know we've been doing this for a couple months now and I want to thank everybody for tuning in I guess it's called tuning in. Is that how it works in the podcast world? I'm not sure. (laughs) That sounds so antiquated. Now, thanks for tuning in. Don't change that channel. (laughs) Uh, Well, thanks for subscribing and downloading and um, listening in your car while you're working out. You know, whatever. I appreciate. I've gotten so many nice words from the people out there. So I really appreciate you listening in. And I will um, continue to try to have these fun conversations. I'm really having fun talking to different people. And I would love to keep hearing your suggestions. If there are people out there you'd love me to interview, any topics you want me to cover, uh, if you think I'm missing out on anything, absolutely blast me if you need to. <laughs> it's completely fine. All that stuff. So at Larry More, you can find me on Twitter. You can also find me on Facebook. and uh, And let me hear what's going on. Would love to. Uh, So much happening right now. It's so exhausting, though, to keep talking about Trump, I have to tell you. And, you know, I was going to cover some of the stuff that he did, uh, you know, his tweets about Mika Brzezinski and all that stuff. But I'm so exhausted from it. And I think that has been covered. I'd rather talk about something else. We just had the 4th of July. I'm talking to you the day after, actually, right now. And uh, (laughs) this, this is kind of an issue that I've seen before, but I thought I would bring up. Brothers are having a real tough time out there celebrating the 4th of July. <laughs> and it really, it's really, uh, I, it's really, this is a tougher man, because I, I feel for you brothers out there. I don't have an issue with it. I told you guys, I have unapologetic patriotism. I don't, uh, I have flown the flag many times. I love celebrating the 4th of July. I love fireworks, you know, love getting drunk, having my fireworks. You know, that's what America's about. You get drunk and you watch things blow up. Let's be honest, you guys. <laughs> that's what this country's all about. But brothers are having a tough time with this right now. Not that they haven't always, and some of it has come out in tweets. Damon Williams Jr. got blasted for a tweet that he said was a joke. But I think it represents a sentiment that is out there. And the tweet was, uh, he was talking about the Fourth of July. Happy white people proud of their racist ancestors' day. Oh man. And uh, he got blasted. He said, "Hey, I was making a joke and blah blah blah." But I have to say that there were a lot of people out there that weren't mad at him. That you know were feeling some of the same things. There was uh, some people have said these things before. I remember Chris Rock joked about this a couple of years ago. He got blasted about it, and uh, and I think there. And this may be a generational thing, by the way. When I was uh, when I was growing up, I don't remember brothers having an issue celebrating the 4th of July, but we were all about barbecuing in those days. You know, we weren't, we weren't trying to be militant. You know, a lot of black power had to do with culinary uh, desires as well as civil rights. (laughs) But uh, you know, a lot of it, um, this issue, here's what the issue is. The issue is how do you celebrate, how do you have this happy celebration about, our country with this problematic past, you know, and a lot of people point to the founding fathers. They were slaveholders and they were racist people back then. And, and, and a lot of these comments, you know, and, you know, this critique of celebrating the 4th of July is not a new one. I mean, Frederick Douglass, I believe, I think he spoke to Congress like in 1852. This is like 76 years after the declaration of independence and gave a searing indictment. I mean, think about this. Here's a a black man giving a searing indictment of the celebration on the fourth of July during slavery, you know, and uh which made complete sense. And this was at the height and nadir of slavery at the same time. And it's a very eloquent speech, and you it's hard to believe how how brave uh he, he was in speaking like that. You know, and you completely understand that. But I think a lot of the issues, is, I think there has to be an acknowledgement of both things, you know, because um, I'm trying to help brothers enjoy the 4th of July. This is my mission to help brothers enjoy the 4th of July um, is just to acknowledge that it is not one issue. This country's past. The, it's a multi-layered thing and slavery and racism. They weren't just these incidents committed by bad people. These were. Institutions, And this was a way of life, the way that people thought. Um, and there were many people who were on the correct side of this in history, but they were in the minority. Remember, the abolitionist movement is a white movement because slaves, by definition, were abolitionists. Let's be honest about that. If you're a slave, you do not want to be. So the whole point of an abolitionist movement is that white people realized this was wrong, you know. Many white people died in the Civil War, a war fought about slavery, you know. Uh, there, white people have been on the correct side of this for years and years, whether it was uh, helping to create the NAACP or, you know, the white Congress and white Senate that voted correctly on civil rights, you know. Um, so let's be honest, guys. There are this country, there are many things involved in the celebration of this country. And to acknowledge that is an imperfect country that was built on an idea. And it was that idea that allowed um, this house that was built by slaves to have, you know, a black man in that house. Yes, we had a late move in date. I acknowledge that. <laughs> but that notion of we built it is a notion of acknowledgement that we are part of this country with this problematic past, yes, but we are allowed to celebrate it. There's nothing wrong with that. You can celebrate this country for its virtues and its and its problems and still be proud of it and and still have your issues not go away at the same time. You will not lose your brother card, believe me. You're allowed to get drunk and watch fireworks. So the other thing I wanted to talk about. I love that the notion goes out. Larry Wilmore gives brothers permission to enjoy 4th of July. Yay! Mm -hmm. So I wanted to talk about real quick, just what I feel is kind of the, uh, a general difference between the right and the left before I get into this next critique. And these are broad generalizations and they're kind of historical generalizations that I'll make about this. It always seems like the right has always felt like its job is to remind us of the freedoms and liberties that America grants us. Like that's the right. The right feels like that's it's, its job to remind us of those freedoms and liberties and for us to be thankful of them. And it seems like the left, their job has always been to try to make sure all Americans are receiving these freedoms and liberties. It's like, yes, thank you, right, for reminding us of it. Let's make sure everybody's getting these rights and freedoms. It's a very broad generalization, but I, I think it, uh, is a good clarity in seeing how we, how the right and the left approaches different things. But what bothers me right now is what's happening on the right. And I think it's a new notion. I don't think this notion has always been in there. Um, It probably has in in some ways. I shouldn't say it like that, but it's coming out in a different form. And this whole, whole issue about immigration, Donald Trump, our orange Julius Caesar, the baby billionaire, narcissistic sociopath, president, all those things, He really, when he uh, was running for president, it was the immigration issue that I believe uh, swept him into, you know, into popularity at that time. Um, A lot of it was based on the right's anger over the Sanctuary Cities issue on the left and feeling that illegal immigrants had come in. They're coming in and they're killing people and they're doing all these things. And we have to stop illegal immigration and building the wall and all that stuff is a part of it. However... I believe that it goes deeper than that. And there's a sentiment out there on the right that is not just against what they are, you know, what they call illegal immigration. But it's about immigration in a different sense. It's immigration from company from countries that they don't feel are worthy of sending people over here. And that, I believe, is a problem. And this started, I think Ann Coulter started some of this talk. I don't know if she started it, but she certainly... um I think the, the link of Trump to her, I think, is accurate. I think a lot of his ideas seem like they're almost lifted straight from her book. But that sentiment is really becoming a bigger thing. And um, I think it was Tucker Carlson and tweeted very recently. He says, why does America benefit from having tons of people from failing countries come here? What? Why does it benefit? That is the whole reason why people come here, because their country is failing them. That's the whole point of America. I I can't believe that people on the right would have this idea. They're supposed to be the keepers of the flame and they have forgotten what that flame stands for. Um, That that is the that is the welcome flame to the people who are being either persecuted in their countries or their countries, are you know, I mean, the whole movement from Eastern Europe during the, the biggest movement of our immigration in this country was that whole feeling. And I don't understand what this is. This feels new to me. It's something that I feel Trump is also embracing. It's coming out in his old travel ban and a lot of the rhetoric. And I think we should really keep an eye on this because this this is a, this is not about illegal immigration, because. The notion is always to make the distinction between, well, we're talking about illegal immigrants. The left is talking about immigrants. No, now they're talking about immigrants from countries they just don't like and don't think people are worthy of coming here. And I believe that is un-American. It is truly un-American. And I thought since, we're, um, since we just left the 4th of July and, and we're talking about this, I thought I would uh, finish this by reading the poem that Emma Lazarus wrote in 1883 that is inscribed on the Statue of Liberty, and is the new Colossus. And I want to remind us the thing that we all agreed our country stood for. So if you will indulge me. And I don't think a lot of people have heard the whole poem, so let me just read this for you. Not like the brazen giant of Greek fame, with conquering limbs astride from land to land, here at our sea-washed sunset gates shall stand, a mighty woman with a torch, whose flame is the imprisoned lightning, and her name, Mother of Exiles." From her beacon hand glows worldwide welcome. Her mild eyes command the air-bridged harbor that twin cities frame. Keep ancient lands your storied pump, cries she with silent lips. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. That's right. Thank you, Emma Lazarus. Let's not forget that. That is the whole point of America. So stop it. All right. So anyhow, <laughs> I i bring that up be, um, also because we have a very special guest uh, uh, today, and I'm very excited, Bassam Youssef, who was called the John Stewart of Egypt for his very brave show that he did on his um, critique of the Egyptian government at the time. And he's in a documentary called Tickling Giants that you guys have to go see. And I spoke with uh, Bossom uh, a week or so ago, and it was such a great conversation. And I've spoken with him before. And speaking with Bossom, it really is a reminder of what does make this country unique and how different it is when you're in a place where there is no freedom of speech and where these rights aren't recognized. And as I said, even with our problematic past, it's it's so nice to talk to Bossom and be reminded of... Um, of where we actually are so anyhow i think you will enjoy that so stay tuned but first a little word all right here i am with a very special guest uh i am such an admirer of this man and i had the honor of of uh talking with him and the director of the film that he's promoting right now a documentary that is about his life that was directed by uh an associate and a good friend of mine is Sarah Taxler from The Daily Show. And the name of the film is called Tickling Giants. And the star of this movie is the man Bassem Youssef. Hello, Bassem. Hey, Larry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. How are you? Good
0: to see you. It is so
1: good to see you. No, it is so good it's to see you. It's always good to see you, It though. is oh, you're it was always amazing. So full you. of life, Bassem, yeah, all the Yeah, it's, it's, it's just when I see That's you. That's who you are. It's Does your I
0: name are. mean life bringer or anything like that? No, no, like actually Bassem there?
1: means smiley. Smiley? I'm not making this up. Basim really? comes from the verb, which means to smile. So is a smiley person, I don't, Basim. I don't think that's an accident.
0: I think you get the name of who you are. Yeah,
1: I guess so. Yeah. 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 Or yeah. I could have been named outcast or failure, but I no, was no, named no. Basim. I think it is smiley.
0: <laughs> and uh, Basim, for those, the uninitiated out there was, at one time, uh, was known as the John Stewart of Egypt, was uh, how he was known to the world. And, uh, and John Stewart at one point called himself the Bassam Youssef um, of America, and that was an honor. Yes, which was very nice. And uh, there's so much behind your story, and so much in your story, and it's and it's captured very beautifully in this film called Tickling Giants which had a, a a theatrical release by, is it Netflix International, did you it say? Is, it
1: was uh, released on Netflix International, International. A, a month ago, but this yes. month it was released on iTunes, iTunes. Amazon, yes. and TicklingGiants.com. And, and the thing is, you can buy it on iTunes on Amazon, but if you go to TicklingGiants.com and buy it from there, yes. there's like a half hour of extras oh. behind the scenes, in, including Brief Nudity brief nudity oh yeah why only
0: brief i'm just like you know
1: it, we, we're still a conservative country <laughs> yes i yeah, understand yeah. we're speech. still in the middle east a modicum of come of modesty <laughs> yes. has to happen
0: here um first of all i mentioned sarah taxler who is such a thoughtful she's funny she's uh she has a very interesting eye and how did you and sarah get together to do this in the first place like did, did she approach you? Did did you seek her out? How did that happen?
1: So uh, after we finished the first season of uh, my show in yes. Egypt, uh, following the success of the YouTube uh, videos, mm-hmm. I decided that I don't want to do a small pre-recorded show anymore. I wanted to do live, and I wanted to do exactly what... What the Daily Show is doing, mm-hmm. and we in the, in the Middle East at that time, we didn't have any experience on how do we do a live audience. We right. didn't have the mechanism. We didn't know mm-hmm. the flow of the work. We didn't we didn't know anything. So we didn't even know how you guys put like over the shoulder pictures yeah. or videos. <laughs> that was an, all the technical aspects uh, of the, the, TV production. The, the technical, the, mm-hmm. the the creative, the production aspects. So we decided to go to America and to try to shadow. The Daily Show team. Okay. To understand. Okay. So let me just back up a little bit. Yes. Okay.
0: Because at that moment you had already become a YouTube sensation.
1: So yeah. To a speak. YouTube, but not a TV sensation. I did yes. the YouTube and then I did like a small TV show that was relatively successful because it was a small budget, small show, sure. a small channel. But then as I was renewing my my, 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 my this next season, I said, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do it big. I don't want to do a theater. Right. And everybody laughed at us. Everybody said, like, what? No, yes. Nobody is doing that. I mean, th- th- this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was even, like, speaking to writers to recruit them. And I said, like, and then he said, like, are you going to have real audience? I mean, not paid extras? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. So, so they said, so what if they don't laugh? So I said, well, I guess we just have to write better. It's <laughs> and, and this was like a concept that was not <clears throat> right. in the Middle East.
0: Okay, so and if we take a step before that, you were a heart surgeon. Yes, before you even started the whole YouTube yes. scenario. Yes, you were. What what type of heart surgeon
1: were you? I was a cardiothoracic heart heart surgeon, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I applied to a fellowship in Cleveland and a pediatric heart surgeon. Okay, I'd so own. you
0: were. In your mind, you were on your way to America.
1: To Cleveland, which is like, right. you know, a <laughs> right. dream destination for everybody. Yes. I mean, this is where people, why people come to America, Cleveland. Right. It, to die there. And I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to, and that was. You were going to
0: uh, take your talents to Cleveland as yes. opposed to LeBron, who took his talents from Cleveland to Miami. Yeah, yeah, right. at, yeah, at
1: that time. So it's, I, I, I was duped when he left. So yes. I, I said like, all right, so um, I was waiting for my papers. and then And, I, and what was your life like at that time? A uh, boring, nerdy doctor, just going going to the um, hospital every day and operating. Uh-huh. And were you married at that time? Uh, I just got married two months before the revolution. Okay, so it was very new. Okay, so it just so like, you're a
0: young, promising uh, Jesus the
1: cardiac surgeon with this very promising career. Yeah, uh, and then the revolution happened. Yes, and then when the revolution happened, we were involved in it like anybody else in the country. Where uh, the thing is, you have to understand that, like, I, I'm I'm going to, I'm sorry that I'm taking you a little bit even back. Good, good, good. Is good. that Egypt was under a military dictatorship for 60 years. Yes. And under the... Uh, and Mubarak for, for the for 30, 30 years. For, for the last for half, 30 of those. For half of that. For half of that, yes. Yeah. And, uh, and after that time under one ruler, there is a kind of a political stagnation. Yes. Nobody is like, nobody cares about politics anymore because people mm-hmm. say, you know, there's no use. Then suddenly when the revolution came, everybody got involved. People mm-hmm. who didn't even write about politics started to be involved. How did the revolution start there? Well, it was a, a si- simple protests against the uh, police, uh-huh. uh, against police brutality. Uh-huh. Interesting. A- and, and injustice. Yeah. And their number one, um, uh, um, or actually all, their main um, request was removing the minister of interior, the minister of police. Right. And then, when the police kind of cracked down, it escalated, and they just wanted to remove the whole regime. Wow! And for and, the uh, and, for,
0: yes, and was there a connection to the
1: so-called Arab Spring that was happening? At oh, the time? That, well, that hmm. happened a few weeks after Tunisia okay. removed their dictator. Right. So right. people were inspired, but people say we are inspired, but I say that we did it because we were jealous, because <laughs> Tunisia is such like a small. Right. Like little fuckers there and stuff. They can, we cannot be upstage <laughs> by those people. You're like, so, please, Tunisia. I mean, come on. Stop I mean, it. Hey, it's easy. This is Egypt.
0: Yeah, exactly. Build a pyramid before you try to talk exactly. to us. Exactly. So right. we
1: basically did our revolution because we were attention whores. We were yes. Kim Kardashians in the Middle East. So I understand. We we we, right. we had this, sh- uh, <laughs> this going on. And then uh, when the revolution was happening, there were mm-hmm. like clashes and stuff. And me, like many thousands of doctors went yeah. there not to throw rocks, right? not to to, to raise signs. We did that simply to heal people who were injured in these classes. Completely humanitarian
0: gesture would put you as a doctor out on the streets, actually. Yes, yes. There was like yeah. all
1: of like these makeshift clinics and we were just right. like, you know, suturing stuff and and, and we, we, did, we were there. And we people just, were being tear gassed. And, tear gassed, being yeah. like hit, like Molotov <laughs> uh-huh. cocktails whatever. Right. And then, what made me interested in wh- how the media was being okay. um, port- portraying was per- portraying the, uh, the the uprising at that time is that there was a certain reality in the streets. Okay, and you were a witness to that reality yes. because you were there on the streets. Yes, right. and then you go back home and you open television, and it's a totally different reality. Wow, this was like this is no this was no uh, revolution, it was a conspiracy. Yeah. All of those people are paid operatives. Wow. All of these people are like being uh, pushed by the CIA, Mossad, Iran, Hezbollah, mm-hmm. Hamas together. We kind of like we brought war peace, like, like yeah. the revolution in Egypt brought everybody together to conspire against this. And, yeah. and, and I found this is ridiculous. And then when Mubarak stepped down at the, at the end of the 18 days, how surprising was that? That was, that was very eighteen uh, days. Eighteen days. And
0: eighteen. Uh, think of it. Thirty years gets reduced to eighteen days of protests. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating to me. It. I mean, it almost makes you feel like, why didn't we do this <laughs> like fifteen years ago? <laughs>
1: and in the same time, totally misleading, because yes. you. Th- because you. We realize a few years later that you cannot really remove. It's not Mubarak. Mubarak yes. was just like the face of it. Sure. It was a deep-seated, uh, deep-state, authoritarian, militarized regime that was there for six years and was just lurking in the darkness, mm-hmm. giving you the happiness, the satisfaction of, oh yeah, you won. But then they came back with the vengeance. But like okay. we, we're gonna we're gonna yes. get to that. So what happened was we, after the the, the 18 days and the the, the celebration and we thought we were like over Mm -hmm. the moon and everything, I started looking at YouTube clips of like, of the media, it's like, my God. Was that was playing as we were in the? Yeah. That was like amazing, like the most ridiculous claims ever, the most conspiracy theory mm-hmm. ever. It was Alex Jones multiplied by Fox News multiplied by yeah. Breitbart multiplied by the ass of John Hannity. It was just like it's just like too much. Mm-hmm. And so like, well, we have to do something about this. I I just like, let's do a show that makes fun of that, makes fun of this media. Mm-hmm. And, and when of,
0: you said let's do a show, yeah. Um, here's the part that's always tough for for me is when you're in a certain life, you know, you have to make a leap to think I'm going to be the person that's going to do this sort of thing, even though I do this, like, because what you were doing before has nothing to do with what exactly. you started doing. Exactly. So why did you see yourself as the person that needed to do that? Well,
1: it was a mixture of like, I had a friend of mine who wanted to start producing original content of YouTube. And okay. we were speaking about that even before the revolution, but mm-hmm. we never thought about anything pol- uh, political. Right. And we were just talking, it's like, oh, what kind of show are you going to put, whatever. And I was just doing this on the side, kind of like to, kind of like to ease my mind from the nerdy, horrible b- sure. medical doctor. It's just like, kind of like a hobby. Uh-huh. I didn't thought right that right. this will be a career. Yeah, because you're
0: you're naturally very funny. Every time I see you, there's always something hilarious happening coming out of your body. <laughs> yes, of course. Like, <laughs> like you're very physical comic, and yes, exactly. He's 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 doing his. Pecs I'm, I'm flexing right now. my pecs right he's now. Flexing, he's just, just to flex, prove a point.
1: Just pecs, point. Pecs flexing right now. <laughs> so so I said like well it's so I said like. You know what I should do? Like I, I talked to my partner, the one who was wanted to do this show, uh-huh. because at that time, 2011, there was absolutely no okay. original content in YouTube in Arabic. Interesting. There's nothing,
0: and and I'm sure there were no guardians of it because there was nothing to guard at that time. Yeah, right? no is- one thought it thought of it as a danger. No, in terms of speech or no. that sort of thing. And nobody
1: thought of it as like a way to spread or or mm-hmm. or, 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 or or to reach people. Nothing, and then. I said, I want to do this like very basic imitation of The Daily Show. Uh huh. Right. And uh, so
0: The Daily Show was your first inspiration to speak out about what you were seeing in yes, the Yes, because right?
1: I, I always watched The Daily Show in yes. the 2000s, especially under George W. Bush and under the Iraq right. War, because most of the stuff that George W. Bush was basically affecting the Middle East. So uh-huh. I wanted to know how The Daily Show looks at that, what's happening to us. What's and you were
0: happening. able to get The Daily Show in Egypt? Air- uh,
1: yeah, YouTube. Uh, that, oh, okay. And and, and even Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. And and uh, there was like the Global Edition was- Oh, that's right. Was aired on CNN.
0: Yes, that's right. I remember the Global so Edition. So we can, we
1: had CNN and we can see the Daily Show.
0: Yeah, the Global Edition was like a recap of the week and it exactly. showed the best of, yes. Exactly. Right. So right. that,
1: and then I, I spent like two years in Boston, 2008, 2009, I was working as a doctor, as a consultant in a medical device company mm-hmm. for that has to do something with- the, uh, heart transplantation and uh, and uh, you, if remember two thousand seven two thousand eight sorry it was the election of Obama yes and that was like this is where the Daily Show kind of like really upped sure. its game end of uh, end of George W Bush the election of Obama and I, I that became my 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 the the only thing that I watch every single day it yeah. and Stephen Colbert
0: one of in fact one of the <sighs> one of the most exciting nights of of my whole career was being able to be at the Daily Show on election night when Jon Stewart called it that Obama had become president. And and it was it was, it was it, an amazing It was moment. John
1: Stewart and and Stephen Colbert, and Stephen Colbert on the Colbert same and desk. Together, yeah. And I remember the cartoon that they did for New Jersey. Yeah. When they had a car and like somebody like just like put in the trunk and the car and went away. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's like a Soprano mafia killing someone. Yes, exactly.
0: In fact, I did a bit where I had a tape measure and I went to the desk and started measuring. John says, "Larry, what are you doing?" I go, "Anything I want." <laughs> I remember that. And it was really funny.
1: Yeah. I remember that.
0: Uh, it's like, yep, the brothers taking I, charge. I, I, uh, I remember that it was a real magic moment. There was so much, I mean, literal, literal hope. You know, to take Obama's yeah. phrase from his campaign. So, in, in, in and and in Egypt, and, at and that the time, Roman pillars, right? Oh. So, so you at that time. Good. So, so go ahead. So, two thousand seven, two thousand eight.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, right. the, and and so, mm. I just like I got mesmerized by the Daily Show, but that just remained in the back of my mind. Yes. But two thousand eleven came. Now we right. have a chance. Like I want to do it. Wow. And. <clears throat> And at that time, remember, I'm still waiting for my papers to Cleveland. Yes. I didn't do the leap. Right. I was just doing this on the side. You were just doing this as something fun to do. I was at fun and as a statement to remind people of what were happening in the media.
0: And at this point, you didn't have a vision of yourself making this leap to this other career. You just wanted an outlet of expression.
1: Exactly. Yes. And I always pure expression. I, I right thought now. that like the papers was gonna come from Cleveland. I'm mm-hmm. gonna go to Cleveland, spend there a couple of years, and maybe within this year, some producer will look will will we'll find will discover this youtube videos right. and maybe call and maybe ask me to come and write on the show not me as a presenter wow. but just to come and as a, yes. be a consultant because i am the the john stewart daily show guy right so uh i thought like hey you know 10000 views will not be bad
0: do you remember what your first youtube piece was about what the subject yes, was yes it's
1: about like how the media was desperately uh, trying to evacuate the, the, the Tahrir Square. Uh-huh. And all of the really weird stuff happening, almost telling people that there's zombies coming to the Tahrir Square. Right. Just, and then, uh, and it was five five minutes YouTube videos, very short. Uh-huh. And uh, and then uh, I thought 10,000 people would come and it will, 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 yeah, well, will okay. see it. Hopefully a few thousand people will watch yeah. this. And, yeah. and in a few weeks I had five million. Five million. Now, remember, this is 2011. Now, yes. Your cat can get 5 million views on the internet. Right. But at that time, it was 2011. It was YouTube. It was Egypt. And it was unprecedented. And in three weeks' time, I had every single network asking me to come to do a show. It's like, what? Uh-huh. I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. And then as I was dealing with the, 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 the channel that's going to take the show, mm-hmm. the papers from Cleveland arrived. Wow. And they said- and he said, "Like yes, we. This is oh. the H one visa. The, you can come in yes. in the next four weeks. We are waiting for you." And and,
0: and you have your wife that has this expectation. Did you have your baby girl? At that no, time? no, 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 no.
1: It's just my wife. We've been only okay. married for like for four, four, four months. months.
0: But your father
1: uh, expected you to do this at the time. My mom expected mom, me to do this. Parents, and yeah. then I talked to my mom because you know like many Middle Eastern uh, families, <laughs> it's the mom that you speak to. Mm-hmm. And I said, mom, uh, well, uh, now I'm having this. Uh, I'm in a crossroads. And then my mom, she was very adamant about me being a doctor. Which, mm-hmm. But I said, but I'm gonna stay here next to you. <laughs> so, 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 so my funny. mom said like, because my mom had, in, had in a problem me leaving the country. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, you can stay, but you have to stay being a doctor. So. I did the show the first season of the show right. while still keeping my shifts at the hospital. Yes. So I was doing <laughs> I so, was doing my 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 duty at the hospital and I'm doing the show on the weekend, shooting the show yes. on the weekend.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because and it's interesting how the film kind of presents that metaphor for us that you you're cutting people open to fix what's wrong with their heart, which is what you were kind of doing on your YouTube show. You were kind of cutting Egypt open yeah, and looking at its heart, you know, and, mm. and sharing with the people, okay, what's going on, what's happening. And you're getting a following during this time, and attention from the networks, and uh, was it CBC? Where no, you... no,
1: no. First, it was like very small channel called On TV. Okay, On that's TV. That's On TV. That's thing. that's the small <laughs> show. Okay, and then that's where
0: the end... you did a show without an audience, without right? an audience, okay. and
1: I, and then at the end, I told them I want to do it. And the audience. It's like everybody laughed at us. Like, yeah, this is it. like you're asking for eight times the budget. Uh-huh. This is a budget that no other show has. Uh, you will you will close down after two weeks. We were we were ridiculed by every single producer network. Yes. I said, I didn't care. I went to America. I said, I'm just going to go and learn as much as possible how this stuff is done.
0: And that's I, when you came to, this, to to, the came to The Daily Show. came to
1: The Daily Show and Sarah met us mm-hmm. and my team. Sarah looked at us and said, hmm. And she thought, she told me, what would it be like if Jon Stewart were the heart surgeon? Mm-hmm. And what would it be like if her counterpart was working on a satirical show in Egypt because she noticed that like half of my show is half of my team is, are women.
0: Yes, I noticed that too. Yeah. Yes,
1: and uh, so she came and approached me like, uh, "Can I do a documentary on me, on you?" And I said yes for two reasons. First of all, she was on Jon Stewart's team, <laughs> and I didn't want to upset him. <laughs> uh-huh. I didn't want to say no to any of his team. I don't know what will happen. Maybe he would hate right. me if I said no. And the second is wouldn't you say yes if somebody asked you to do a documentary about sure. you? I mean, like how many people get to have a documentary about that? Right. It's just like me, the peluga whale, and the panda. It's just like those people. <laughs> well, the, me and a couple of endangered species. Yes. <laughs> having, or or if you're Ted Bundy or like um, right. a serial killer. So I said like, yes, let's do it. And uh, she, she, we both thought, and, and I told him like, how long do you think this is going to go? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, you know, nine months. Right. And it extended for four years.
0: Four years. Well, that's what's interesting to me, um, because there are different types of documentaries. There's a documentary about something that's already happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the forensic type of documentary. We're unearthing this story that maybe people don't know much about. And then there's this embedded documentary, which is fascinating to me, where you're betting on things that are, haven't happened yet. Yeah. And you're, you're going to be a live witness to it. And you have no idea what's co- what's in front of you. And as neither did Sarah. As, and neither did Sarah. That's what's interesting. I mean, yeah. she takes this bet on you and your life. And what's interesting about that? What What was the now? Did she go back to Egypt with you immediately, or no, did no, you guys, no, no? How did How did you set this up in the beginning? So,
1: so she said, like, well, I am. She she said that she's she's gonna come and visit us mm-hmm. once, and and when she was not there because she's still working the Daily Show, right. she's gonna be hiring local crew. Okay. to follow us. okay. And what was interesting is that she didn't know when to end the, the movie and neither did we. Yeah. Every time she thought it was the end of it, wow. something would happen. Yes. So it was uh, me being called for an interrogation and, and a warrant for my arrest. Maybe this is the end of the show? No. So me, it's like prevailing and then the show ended once and ended twice and yes. three times jammed and then I had to escape from the country. So every time she was Spoiler extending, alert! because she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't want yes. to, she doesn't know when is it to end the show yes. or to end the movie, and uh, and and then she had to decide because it was just like dragging. But I think she decided on the kind of a message on hope of hope at the end, mm-hmm. uh, that me starting a new life here.
0: Now so. When you go back to Egypt and you, you're going to start a show at this point in front of an audience, right? That That's what you wanted to do. And this kind of coincided with, with Morsi coming to uh, power. Yeah, the right? Muslim
1: Brotherhood coming to power, yes. Yes,
0: and the Muslim Brotherhood. Okay, so describe what was happening in Egypt at that time. Was there hope that this was going to be blossom into maybe a democratic government? Do you, What did the people want at this time? Was there a sense of what, when I say the people... Was there a consensus of what it seemed people wanted or was it real divided at that time? Do you remember what the So, pe- was? So
1: people were happy having the first ever democratic elections. It okay. was like a 52-48 split, yeah. which was,
0: right. wow. As opposed to the 98%, 98%, 98% yes. that we always had. <laughs> yes.
1: And then, uh, and of course, like people were a little bit wary about the Muslim Brotherhood having people. Sure. I mean, of course, because like, oh, so, no, it's democratic. But like right off the bat, the Muslim Brotherhood showed that, like they, they look at democracy as mm-hmm. just a game of number. It's like what the, it's yeah. like the, basically it's the tyranny of the majority. Mm-hmm. So we have the numbers, so we can write the constitution and we can screw everybody over. Uh-huh. They don't understand that the constitution is basically written. To protect the rights of the smallest of minorities, mm-hmm. and this is where how they were not mature enough to understand what is uh, what democracy means. So they would use they would they would have this kind of expression. Oh, so democracy is kind of a ladder. They go there and then they just like to push the ladder aside so they can stay on top. Mm-hmm. And then they started to.
0: Well, what were some of the things that they did that, so, that were kind of like? Red flag, so to
1: speak. So, mm. It's the, the constitution was a big thing yes. because they were putting a lot of religious connotation into the constitution. Mm-hmm. They um, uh, Sharia law, type uh, sh- of? Sh- kind of Sharia law. I mean, the Sharia law is always there, but now mm-hmm. kind of they want to activate stuff. Okay. They were they um, they had their allies, which were like the ex- the Salafis, which is like the extreme extreme. Mm-hmm. beard-like ISIS kind of right. mentality things.
0: In fact, uh, there was a joke in your show about uh, we're so happy someone with a beard is finally in power. Is that, yes. 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 Oh, yeah, this, yes. this is
1: how, this is how... She, ha- people are happy about a beard. Uh, be yes. Like, yeah, yes. that guy with a beard is yes. a president. Seriously? And mm-hmm. then, uh, and then, and then they started to even collude with the old state, with the military, with the, uh, with the, with the police. And then, the people who voted from them, even from a liberal minority, mm-hmm. they kind of like, no, we don't need you anymore. We mm-hmm. are happy with the army, with the with the police and with the Salafis. And the three of those screwed them over eventually. Yeah. So, uh, and then we started, uh, they started to attack the demonstration against them. So it's kind of like the same, it was a page out of the playbook of the old regime. And you were a
0: part of this demonstration. I mean, you were kind of the leader of the, you know, the, well, I don't know, I should say the leader, but you represented almost a threat to the government by your mockery. Yeah, I was
1: mocking them and that, Pissed them off so yeah. bad because you have to understand Muslim... mockery. In,
0: in some ways, I don't mean to cut you off. But in yeah. some ways, it seemed like in your documentary, it seemed almost more dangerous to the government yeah. than just pure criticism. Yes,
1: and this is this is this goes the same with the, mili- with the, with the military and Muslim Brotherhood. Because mm-hmm. here's why: because if, if you're in the military or you're in a, in in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the disreligious groups, you are in a closed environment. You're okay. not used to mockery. You are used That's to very true. very strict hierarchy kind of a group that like anybody who's right. on top is revered, is yes. respected. You get in line. And right. those people on top, they had nothing else going to them other than respect and fear. Yeah, They have nothing more substantial that they can offer. Mm-hmm. No real establishments, no real achievements, nothing. So when you go after them, after a guy on top who had nothing, but like, I want to be, I I demand respect, (laughs) Uh they will either go and shut down your show, they will accuse you of stuff, or they're gonna go after you with crazy tweets. Yeah. Right? Because this is, a guy who, a leader or a president or a, 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 a guy in authority who doesn't really care about this He has other stuff going for him. Mm -hmm. He's governing. He's doing policy. But when, if he turns every five minutes like, you don't make fun of me, that shows a huge amount of uh, lack of confidence and basically emptiness. And plus, this was a new type of
0: thing. I mean, you had, what was it, almost 30 million viewers? Yes, 30 million
1: viewers watching the show. That's an
0: astonishing amount of people who are watching you. Was the feeling out there divided from people who had an experience of your show? Did it seem like to you? Or did it seem like there was this consensus that yes, Bassem awesome is right. He's telling the truth. No, and, it, it
1: was not a consensus. So everybody the, the, everybody watched the show even uh, all of the people who were hate watching. Uh-huh. Hate watching. That's I, great, yes. <laughs> no, oh yeah. I'm very yeah. familiar with hate watching. Yes. They, they would watch it's like oh, how can you say that? As wow. a matter of fact, I'll tell you something very funny. Okay. So, in... At that time, there was the Islamic channels. Okay. And they were... <laughs> oh, and And these, these Islamic channels always existed, but uh-huh. they're always like the 700 clubs talking about religion. Wow. When they came to power, they became religious, political... Like, political-religious. Got it. And you had... And because they have absolutely no sense of the world, mm-hmm. they have their talk shows that goes for six apps. Oh, my God. So... I. Like they, of course, they were my nemesis. Uh But what was was funny is one of those channels who had like the longest and like you have to understand I had people who had to watch this for six hours.
0: Six hours? And
1: and then they would (laughs) They would play full clips of my show. <laughs> there was like a second run of my show, or a third run of my show right. on these channels, and then they would people like, like, did you see that? Did you see what he just said? Oh my god, this is blasphemous! <laughs> and then they would play something, and, they'd and then play they, it more. And they would cut, and they would find that's someone hilarious. who would actually like catch him.
0: Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> Let's watch it again.
1: <laughs> and So. People were watching. So it's going kind of, yeah. this is like, a lot of people who's watching. It's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speak truth to power. And other people are yes. just like, oh, how dare you speak out about the president? How dare you insult the Muslim president? Yes. It was and, almost
0: uh, like a betrayal of, of your course, heritage, right? Because here's uh-huh. the thing.
1: Uh, this is another thing that like, that, that, that shows what the weak leadership is. Okay. They, they have nothing else going on for them. So they have to wrap themselves up with an ideology. Mm-hmm. If you make fun of me, you're making fun of Islam. Right. If you're making fun of me, you're making fun of the troops. If you make fun of me, you're faking fun of the country, of the nation, of patriotism, of whatever it is yeah. that's making America great again. And you
0: had... <laughs> yes, very nice. You had... Uh, there was one bit that you did in your show, and I think it was about Morrison, where he got an honorary degree and he had this... <laughs> This interesting hat. And then you came out with this huge hat. I've never seen a hat so big. It was a hat
1: as like a, almost my size.
0: Yes. And it's so funny because that hat to me, once again, you know, it represents so much, you know, a large hat like that, which yeah. underneath that hat, there's so much hollowness inside because yeah. you can't feel a hat that yeah. big, which is what your leaders are trying to fill this big hat with all this emptiness. And so... They come after you because of this of this bit, right? No, no, no. They actually,
1: they, I think that this bit kind of like take them off. But on paper, uh-huh. they came after me because I was insulting the president, right? I, and the, and the hat was never mentioned because okay. that will look them make them look ridiculous, right? Uh, I was insulting Islam, mm-hmm. of course. I was in spreading rumors, and I was disturbing the peace. Yes, you see how vague these uh, these accusations are. Mm-hmm. This is how they get you. Yeah. So I went there with all of this. You turned yourself in. I turned myself right. in because there's mm-hmm. a warrant as my arrest. And then, and and it it was a it was a Sunday. And then if I uh, we decided that early in the morning I'm gonna go I'm gonna go. Uh-huh. And I went there wearing my hat. Where, <laughs> <laughs> the, wearing the Who hat. Who does
0: this, <laughs> ladies and
1: gentlemen? I want you to know
0: how how much. I admire this man sitting across from me. Who does this? You're in an authoritarian regime. You have openly mocked, you know, (laughs) the leader of this country. You are going to whatever this court is. I mean, how much you trust what's going to happen In the very instrument of mockery (laughs) that has brought you there in the first place. I mean, were you scared at all? I mean, how did your family feel about this? Are they thinking... Bassem has lost his very mind right now. Oh my now. god!
1: I had so, like I mean when I when I talked to the my producers, I, uh-huh. I, I called the prop masters like I need the hat. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, it's like I'm going there with the hat. Like Bassem, are you crazy? So yeah. I had like every say, my phone was ringing the whole night when I told them like I need I need the hat tomorrow morning. It's yeah. like every Bassem, are you like you're just like you you you're, you're now you're pissing them off really bad. It's like. Well, I mean, they're going after the Joker. So I'm going to make them look so, so ridiculous. Wow. So I went there and I had like, I had a, like a picture of the hat and speaking to the press outside. It's like, well, I'm going in right now for interrogation. yeah. And I went in for a six hours interrogation. Tell me about the
0: interrogation because in the film, we see you go in and we see you come out. But yeah. of course we don't get to go inside. So what happened in that interrogation? So
1: the ridiculous, the most ridiculous thing is that the, all of the lawyers that are in the mm-hmm. uh, uh, general prosecutor office mm-hmm. and all of the police officers escorting me there, they're all taking selfies with me. Get out! I'm, sh- I'm, That's I'm I'm I. hilarious! I shit you not.
0: It's all about celebrity, no matter where you go. <laughs> yeah, oh right. my god! They're taking selfies. <laughs> yes. You're kidding me. Yeah. And then
1: and then there was like you know like we're against this but like you know just like yeah. it's orders yeah, from yeah. above. Mm-hmm. But then then I sit and against this like in front of this the general prosecutor who's like three times my size, uh-huh. huge, cat even. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like I mean, he's been eating donuts all of his life. Yes. And then. He said, like, and he's very serious. He's not taking selfies. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he said, We are going, uh, so are you aware of the accusation that are um, against you? It's like, yes. So, like, well, we are now going to um, play your videos. We have CDs that have four of your episodes that are in question. And we are going to play it on that computer so we can review it together. It's like, all right. So they have this outdated Windows 95 computer <laughs> and they're playing the CDs. Uh-huh. The CDs are not working. Oh my God. And then, and then I'm just like waiting there for 20 minutes and they're trying every single thing. And I got bored. So I stood up trying to help them to play the CDs.
0: <laughs> I'm playing
1: the evidence against me. And wait, I'm wait, trying... wait, wait,
0: wait, hold on. <laughs> you, did you start doing the routines that they were trying to play? Did you... No, 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 no. Okay. I'm trying
1: to help them to play the CDs. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. You're trying to assist them I in your like, own... Uh... Do you
1: have VLC? Is that right. like, do you have the latest version of media player? What is it? And then uh, it's not working for 20 minutes. I'm assisting them. They're playing hilarious. the evidence against me. And then it and then it failed, so the guy's like, Well, we're gonna pretend that we played the CDs. So they never watched it. They never they they watch. maybe they watch they have the transcript. Oh okay. so we're just gonna read it from the transcript. All right.
0: Did they make you read it or
1: did they No, read it? they read the they read it to me. Uh-huh. And as they read it, the lawyers are laughing because the script was pretty hilarious. Uh, it's but very the, funny but the, guy, the but the guy but the guy doesn't <laughs> laugh. And it said, So um uh, did you mean to insult the president by this? Did you mean to insult the <laughs> And I said, no. So like, why are the people laughing? It's like, I don't know, ask them. <laughs> this was the most surreal, yes. seriously, the most surreal thing that ever happened. Say. And then I went out on bail of 15,000 pounds at the end, uh-huh. went home. Right. I actually went to the theater, continued, did the show, and we have, when we reenacted the whole thing of me going Good in Lord. on the theater. That mockery was my on the
0: way in, yeah, mockery yeah. on the <laughs> way out. Yeah. Selfies during the trial.
1: <laughs> but then, uh, soon after, the Muslim Brotherhood were removed by the military.
0: Yes. Now, this is very interesting to yes. me because now they are basically suspending the Constitution. You know, so it's very, this is a very interesting moment in the history, I will say, of your country. because. You had this very democratic moment where everyone was so happy and in the everyone's upset and they completely disband this notion <laughs> of what you're supposed to be doing in a democratic society. Exactly. Well, what yes. happened what
1: happened is that the people who came in with a democratic route, which is the Muslim Brotherhood, abused democracy big time. Yes. So people got you know what? They get the people get, were like so alienated, like, oh, anybody will be better, even the spaghetti monster. We want the spaghetti monster, and uh-huh. the spaghetti monster is what they got. So, when the military came, the military is always revered, it's always uh-huh. respected. Military is above religion, got it. so people say, like, Yes, and people have a trust of the military, they will never do anything bad. Is I mean, because they, these are the people who remove Mubarak, right? So, it's like, Yes, yes. the military always works for us, but it didn't. Uh-huh. So, as in the elation and the happiness of people welcoming the military. Uh-huh. Very, very soon after, the military just showed its real face, and this is Sisi who comes into power. Yes.
0: Um, what was his role in the military before? Was he, uh, he?
1: He at that time he was the minister of defense.
0: Okay, he was the minister of defense in the Morsi government.
1: Yes, right. He was appointed by Morsi. Wow. And he and the Morsi government and the Muslim Brotherhood said like, "Oh, Sisi's going to come and get you." Wow. But what happened was Sisi went and got them. And it was this is like a classical this Game, is of a classic Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Throne, basically. Right. And then uh, so Sisi came, and then he was loved, and he has this like kind of like way of like speaking to people, and who's he's got very, those shades that he oh, wears very shades. Qaddafi mm-hmm. kind of like shades, and then he and then and he was revered, and he was loved. But like we in the shows, like what the hell is happening? This is this is a coup, you know? This is right. <laughs> This is this guy. Do you see the, how this guy speaks this? And then everybody was like, "Oh no, no, no! He's he's, he's our savior." As a matter of fact, in one of the 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 circle the, the the newspaper, mm-hmm. the, they had CC with his shades looking up, mm-hmm. and the headlines read, "Jesus, the savior." Wow! This is how big things were for CC. This is how popular he was. I mean, and in every a,
0: in a basically a Muslim country. Is Jesus the He's savior? Jesus
1: the savior? Uh-huh. And then he says, "No, no, no! Those Muslim brotherhood are not Muslims. We are the real Islam. We are the real military. We are we we are not terrorist Muslims. You are the real mainstream Muslims." But the thing is, uh-huh. he comes in, he kills, he, he 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 imprisons, he takes absolute powers. He like he sh- shifts from from an Islamic fascism into military fascism in a heartbeat. Uh-huh. And ev- and many of my friends and family. Turn overnight fascists.
0: And with military fascism, there are no checks on that. There's oh, nothing. Right.
1: Just the military. Wait,
0: hold on. You, you said your family turned into fascists. What do you mean by that?
1: Oh yeah, my, my mom was a big a CZ supporter. Like, uh-huh. like I mean, uh, rest of the show, she, Like she, she died soon after, but oh, I'm sorry. we had fights because I was starting to write against what's happening, and mm. she was... Uh, uh, kind of threatening to disown me if mm-hmm. I would continue that.
0: It's very interesting. I noticed that moment, how the tide had kind of turned a bit. And even you become a little more serious-minded a little bit behind the, the scenes. You're, there was such this carefree attitude that you had. Mm. You know, I, I always felt, you know, I think you're so courageous with what you did, but you did it with this fearlessness and this this fun fearlessness, let's say. And when Cece comes to power, I noticed that exactly what you said. There's a reverence that people have, that is warranted or not warranted, but it's certainly there. And it's probably because, as you say, they've been in that fabric of the society for so long. That's just embedded in the DNA of how people feel about that. There's you can't change that overnight, mm-hmm. right? And so you become an unwelcome antagonist at this point. Yes, right. Yes,
1: and and many people who who chanted my name, right. Under the Muslim Brotherhood, they would, would they like starting like burning effigies of me, wow. and uh, people like uh, me, my own family started to um, have second thoughts about like, oh, what are my motives? Maybe maybe he is a, an American spy. Maybe mm-hmm. he is pushed from outside. Maybe he doesn't love Egypt as we thought he was.
0: Do you think like when an authoritarian regime, <laughs> when they have. Uh, that goodwill of the people on their side, it's easier for the media to spread false narratives. Absolutely. Yes.
1: I mean, and and even under the Muslim Brotherhood, there were like all those two sides. There were the Islamist side and the non-Islamist side. But like Mm -hmm. under the military, there was only one opinion. And we were the only people who were against the tide. Mm -hmm. And yet our ratings skyrocketed. Really? Because everybody wanted to see what, and the hate watching increased. Yes, and but the people who wanted to have a voice out like of this stifling fascism also wanted to watch the, the mm-hmm. show, and I started to make very careful jokes. Mm-hmm. I became very careful. Yes, but we still make fun, and we were subversive enough to be like banned a few times. Yes, we banned. We were we we got cancelled, and when we got cancelled again, we got the satellite j- uh, channel being jammed twice mm-hmm. on our show we were facing a whole r- regime a very populist regime
0: and the uh, government was directly interfering with your brother absolutely mm-hmm.
1: interfering and then uh, uh and there were people coming outside of my theater burning mm-hmm. my pictures harassing people coming in and out
0: it seems like to me Bassem, that when i said you had a fearlessness it 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 didn't seem like you were afraid in during this time but at this moment it seemed like you started to become afraid you know is that is that fair to say i I, I you were more aware that dangers were present
1: i was more aware but Uh but like i wasn't afraid for my life as much as i was afraid of what kind of quality i'm going to present on the Mm -hmm. on the screen because now you're just working on a very thin line every single joke has to be weighted Mm. and you don't know it's just like it was so confusing i Mm. was more pensive about what's happening on the show. Mm-hmm. What should we write? We were we were fighting over propositions and letters and, and and oh, this will be understood in the wrong way. We were extremely careful, extremely mm-hmm. scared that like ah, uh, I mean we I wish that I, I I we were we knew that the days of the show was numbered. Sure, but it has to be a, 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 an external force from outside, not uh, not 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 a mistake of our own. Hmm.
0: Yeah. And what was the feeling on your show at that time? Were people afraid on the show or did, did they have the same point of view as you? Or was there a different feeling by the people who worked on your show?
1: So many people of my show came from family who were army supporters. Yes. Wow. And, uh, but they, many of them did not share the views for the, of their parents, mm-hmm. but they, it was It was very different from under the Muslim Brotherhood when they were being congratulated every time after each episode. Right Now they're being berated after each episode and even threatened that they like, you should not continue working on that show. Yeah, It was was one of the the pressure of writing that show under the military was just like absolutely horrendous.
0: And when the show finally uh, came to an end, how did that happen?
1: So uh we continued working under and, uh, and and what year is this? That is 2014. 2014. And okay. and CC was now running for president. Right. There so they a, had
0: not had an election up to this point. This I know is, yeah, yeah, right. he, they
1: had interim president and we were just like kind of like touching on the fact of like how we, the propaganda is working on his favor. Mm-hmm. And then he won the presidency. And we were on a break. And then we keep we we, we we're supposed to come like tomorrow, uh-huh. but he won the presidency two days ago. And then the channel called me, it's like, Basim, I'm sorry, we cannot have the show continue. We got a phone call and we have to cancel the show. Uh-huh. And that was the biggest channel. Uh-huh. So, and now, and I asked him, but like, so how this is like, that's it? Well, he said like, well, we asked him, if we let Basim go, he will go to another channel. And what we were told that we guarantee you, he will not be on any other channel. So that kind of warning went to all of the channels. Wow. And uh, there was no channel were able to host the show anymore. Mm -hmm. And then I became unemployed and I continued traveling back and forth. And at that time, there was like a running case, arbitration case, a low case between me and the channel that stopped me the first time. Okay. And then I thought, like I I wasn't even thinking, that was not occupying a part of my brain because- they're the one who stopped the show. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there will be nothing that will happen right. to us, right? Well,
0: what did you do except do your show? Yeah.
1: And then I, <laughs> uh, at the 11th of November, 2014, the lawyer called me. That's the verdict out and you lost and you now owe them 100 million pounds in as, as a fine. It's like, what, 100 million pounds? At that time, that was like 15 million dollars. It's like, what do you mean 100 million pounds? It's like, yeah. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's obviously a politicized, um, a fabricated verdict that the government did in order to kind of like put some pressure on you so they can jail you anytime. They can prevent you from traveling anytime. Mm-hmm. The verdict came out at noon mm-hmm. at five hours on a plane leaving the country.
0: Wow. So the ver- you hear about the verdict at noon. <laughs> Later that day, you, your wife and your child- No,
1: I just, no, I went alone. I went alone, and then, went we alone came, and then they came after. I just packed- whatever thing I can in two bags and I just left.
0: What were you thinking at that time? Were you thinking you were just gonna go for a little bit? Were you gone for good? Were you... I didn't think anything.
1: I, that, I, I, who who th-
0: did you talk to before you left? So
1: these are the people working with me on the show and mm-hmm. uh, and they said like, uh, you have to leave right now because this is how these regimes work. They're just mm-hmm. gonna use something and then they're gonna take it as an excuse to even confiscate your money, right? put you in jail, whatever. So. I, uh, I jumped into the plane. In the next three days, I transferred all my belongings to other people's names, mm-hmm. and uh, I I didn't I didn't know what to expect. And then I I, I stayed in in the Middle East in Dubai for a while, mm-hmm. and during that time, in that like almost a year and a half, <clears throat> I had offers almost every day. But these were offers to do kind of like. Stupid comedy stuff, uh-huh. so much money. Game shows, Right. absolutely staggering amount of money. Uh-huh. And then I even got uh, an offer from the military intelligence in Egypt to go back and do the show with an understanding. And they offered like m- amount of money that I was like, what, seriously? Wait. Is this is where our tax monies are going?
0: I'm confused. <laughs> Rewind for a second. Yeah. Military intelligence?
1: Yeah because this is, this is where the CC came from, military intelligence.
0: Were they trying to make good with you or something? Yeah, they
1: said like, they, because here they were under pressure from Europe and from the UN because of all of the human rights violation and this is what they do. So it's like, oh, Bassim is back on the air. Democracy yeah. is still healthy. And so about? I said like, listen, so I told the guy who's talking talking, him, was like, I'm not gonna be make a makeup, a kind of a makeup on the face of your regime. You mm-hmm. want me to come back and totally ignore all of those people in jail all of my friends who have been confisc- had like their belongings confiscated, being pre- prevented from traveling, and you just want to tell people that everything is okay because mm-hmm. I'm on air, and they came to me over the span of a year and a half. They offered me to come back three times, huh. and by the third time when I said no, they started to harass me abroad. When like whenever I go, I have like a talk on whatever, they would send people to heckle me. And there's even like a a New Yorker piece. Mm-hmm called the John Stewart, the the heckling of the John Stewart of Egypt. Uh And a guy, a reporter of New Yorker came there and he saw firsthand those people coming in and heckling. And I told him, those are the people are going to heckle me because we know their faces Uh because they are the ones who greet President Sisi whenever he comes to America. Uh And it was, it's just like, this is like a page out of, 1950s Soviet Union propaganda, yeah, right. and I know that's like when I, what I'm saying sounds a little bit ridiculous and unbelievable, but believe me, it happened. It's
0: it's so interesting to hear firsthand just how insidious propaganda can work, and how uh, it can seem uh, very intoxicating, you know, when it comes after you in certain ways and and threatening all at the same time. You know, I I, I still don't know how you how you did all these actions you know with in in apparently so much freedom i mean how how torn were you when you were saying no and and when you did these types of things
1: how torn i was it
0: seems like you were very clear about these decisions
1: oh yeah i mean yeah. because of course they like i i, I they came to me when they, i have absolutely no income right and they come to me and a guy tell me here it is 3 million dollars a year
0: <laughs> i love how money is this thing that is supposed to take the place of your values, and that people yeah. think that okay, that's yeah. fine, I don't need values, yeah. money is more important and yeah. then like and then three right.
1: million dollars on the table, <clears throat> a year and so then and in Egypt that's a big deal and of then, course yeah, and then they uh the and and I told them, you know what I'm just gonna answer you in a business like response. I'm not gonna tell you that like I'm a freedom fighter or like I'm a man of my values right, right. My brand is political satire, and the audience is not stupid. If I come and I ignore stuff on purpose, people would know. And I'm just going to be shitting on whatever legacy that I have done. And in that case, money means nothing. That's amazing. Um,
0: Do you think satire, and I think I've asked you this question uh, before, because many people They've asked me this question. They've talked about the John Oliver effect about can satire really affect change? Do you think satire can be an agency for change or is it merely just an agency for expression and change just has to
1: happen by other means? Well, I can a- a- ask, answer this from my own experience. People say, look, go and you can you can bring down governments. I say, no, I can't. Right. All I can do is I can a- unveil or like reveal a certain... I can humanize those authoritarian. Mm -hmm. Tell them that they are exactly like you. And then it's up to you to do the change or not. If you, after watching the show, if you're watching uh, the the Daily Show, John Oliver or Basimusif or Larry Wilmore, and then you you just like laugh on your ass without you doing anything, Mm -hmm. change will not happen. Satirists don't move masses. It is up to the masses to take this decision to move. And I will give you a perfect example. Okay. Uh, on the height of how of all of the satirical program were making fun of Trump and how people went on the women marches here yes. in California, seven hundred fifty thousand people went on sure. for marches, and then twelve percent showed for polls. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So if if you just sh- like use this as a kind of a venting procedure. And then you say, all right, I, I've done my patriotic duty and yes. because I laughed on whatever satirist is like looking at me on the television and you don't do anything. So, and this is why when people say, like, why don't you do, why, why don't you do it? I guess like, well, I'm, I'm done sticking out my neck for people who won't do anything. Uh-huh. I, mean, I can't. I mean, I, I can't just like go and put myself in danger or other people in danger while, you cannot, we are, while you're not doing anything. Okay. And I'm, I'm not blaming them. And sure. maybe they're afraid, maybe they're oppressed, but I cannot just do the people's job. Mm-hmm. I have a job like a media person, like a journalist, like a, a politician, everybody has a job. And my job ends at the edge of the screen. It ends at the end of, uh, edge of the theater. Mm-hmm. What happens afterwards, it's up to the people.
0: Yeah, it's like Obama had a phrase last year, he would mention something that was of course unpopular and
1: people start booing, he said, don't boo. Bo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Don't boo. Vote. Don't boo. Vote. Because like if you continue just laughing mm-hmm. on Trump for yeah. the next four years, he's gonna laugh at you for the next eight. That
0: is a fact. I would agree with that completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think many times I don't know if people realize how much power they have in just showing up at the polls you know yeah. i mean that's how obama was elected people many people that never and this even is how voted. john
1: kerry lost and this is how Al gore lost Absolutely. and this is how hillary lost it's because people just stayed at home either thought that like oh there's no way he was going to win or i don't like my candidate 110% so i'm going to go vote for a third party
0: and also on the on the local level it's how Republicans have taken over many government govern governorships and municipal elections because a lot
1: of those people show up. Yes, <laughs> they because they have up. conviction. Yes, I mean exactly. You, like what? Um, Thirty-two out of fifty governors are Republicans. Yeah, right.
0: That's not by accident. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's people. That's organi- organization and people showing up, and right, and having a conviction and a certain type of governing.
1: It's about right. convictions. About organizing. And you know what? Those people. Don't have political satirists who are conservatives who are making fun of liberals. Yeah, although they do have,
0: uh, they do have a lot of uh, uh, radio and uh, yes, in, in but the, but yes. they're not
1: like they are not even good right. comedians. Sure, they are they, exactly they, they are true. populists. They are in, in scenery, but like they're not satirists, and they're still winning. Right? Do you uh, have have you been back to Egypt since? No. Do you want to go back? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, because my answer will be go back to what? Mm-hmm. When people ask me, oh, "Do you miss Egypt?" and I tell them that Egypt I miss is not there anymore, mm-hmm. I say it with a heavy heart, but it is true. I mean, when people say like, "How do you feel when you are in exile?" It's like, well, you can be in your country and still feel you're in exile. Yes. So uh, no, I uh, I am I'm making myself comfortable here. Mm-hmm. I'm working on stuff uh writing television show maybe you're going to be one of producer of mine. yes <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: well that that would be very exciting to see uh to see you back on the screen and i certainly hope that happens awesome thank you so much for joining me oh thank you so, it was much. so nice talking to you please everyone see tickling giants uh you can stream it download it it may still be at a few theaters i'm not sure If you see Bossum on the street, give him a hug. (laughs) He's going to give you one back, and he's going to do this peck dance for you. Oh, yeah, I I, I will. Yeah, yes. 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 But I I wish the best for you and your family, and uh, and I just want to just give you a heartfelt thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Larry. Thank you.